Shit's like the straight cut, you motherfucker. What's good, what's good, what's good? It's your boy, the Wall Street Chapman, man. And we got a special Thanksgiving edition right now, right? So I understand. Right now, you sitting in front of the turkey. Right now, somebody is about to eat some gumbo, if you're from New Orleans. But I want you to ask a question right quick. I want you to make sure you know who made that goddamn potato salad. <laughs> you feel me? So, man, this week, man, first and foremost, man, thank y'all, thank y'all, thank y'all. I know you with your family right now, but I felt like it was the perfect time for us to get together. One of the things we always say as trappers, each and every trap and Tuesday is, welcome home. Welcome home. So what I do understand is this. While everybody in the family may not be trappers, one of y'all making sure the TV on right now on this. So for you, I want to say thank you. And I'm going to give you. <laughs> That's right, man. So we really won't get into it, man. Like, today we won't cultivate something. Right? We won't cultivate something new. Right? Because I know that somebody in the family been pushing the idea about wealth. Somebody been trying to get your cousin, you've been trying to get your uncle, you've been trying to get your auntie, you've been trying to get everybody on board, but it's just hard. You've been telling your people about trap, you've been telling your people you took this course from trap, you've been telling your people you've been rocking with Wall Street Trapper, and they just don't want to buy in. So I said, why not let's just talk to everybody on Thanksgiving? To everybody that's new in the family, what's up fam? How y'all doing? I'm Wall Street Trapper. Yep, I'm the person your people been telling you about, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> but we want influence wealth right now. We want influence generational wealth. We want influence new philosophies behind money. So I want y'all to just take a minute you know, just give me this next hour where we just lock in. I know the football game on, but I want you to understand something. They already millionaires. They already millionaires. They already walking in their dream. They already walking in their purpose. They already doing what they feel is necessary for their family. My goal is to ask you, what are you doing? What, is, what are the consequences behind the conflict that you're having with your psychology around money. I want to ask you, what is anchoring you to your current financial circumstances? Let's go a little deeper. I want to ask you, what is the residue of poverty on your life? And so today in this special episode of Trapping Tuesday, we're going to call this the Thanksgiving special, Bird Talk. <laughs> we're going to call this Bird Talk. <laughs> but the goal today, man, is just make sure everybody, while we're together, because I'm big on family, I feel like you cannot truly talk about wealth if you're not talking about the family unit. 
one person alone can't be wealthy. I don't think so. You may be prosperous, but wealth is a family affair. Wealth is about passing assets, information, opportunity, and possibilities down. And so today, while we're going to talk about stocks, I want to turn over a new page. I want to give y'all some things to think on. And I challenge each and every person after this episode to have a talk with the family about building wealth. We want to take on a new relationship. We want to take on a new mantra. And I'm going to be real, y'all. Like, the reason why this is so important for me is because in my own personal family, right, I lost my great aunt, but I lost both of them in the matter of 11 months. We just lost my Anita a couple weeks ago, and my family has to take on a new path. My family is on a new trajectory. This Thanksgiving won't be the same without my ain't either. But yet my family, we have to find a way to figure it out. It's new to us. So what I want to ask you and your family is, if you are truly about building wealth, if you are truly on a journey, y'all got to discover something new. The old traditions won't introduce us to new realities. What are the consequences of us continuously following the same old traditions? What are we anchored to? Somebody has to be a pioneer. Somebody has to be the trailblazer. Somebody has to establish the new norm. So what happens when our family accepts that we can be wealthy. What happens when the family as a whole unites and says, yo, we can do this? I want you to think for a second. While everybody laughing, while everybody eating, while everybody is happy to be together again, somebody right now in the family is going through a financial turmoil. Somebody in a family needs a financial reprieve. Somebody in a family feels overwhelmed financially. And while I am 100% a man of God, in most families, all we can say is, I'm going to pray for you. It'll get better. And I'm not saying that that isn't concrete, but what would happen if, if that family member was in that situation financially, in that bind, in that hardship, if we can collectively as a family say, yo, here's 10,000 that can get you out. Here's 15,000 that can get you out. Here's 100,000. But you got to pay that back to the family trust. You got to pay that back to the family bank. See, this is how wealth perpetuates in other communities. What if? What if? 
the new norm for every family that comes from where we come from is that financial strife is no longer a thing. What if there's no more, I'm in a bind, Nate. <laughs> but what if that wasn't a thing no more? No, I'll be true with you. I'll be real with you. That doesn't happen in one year. It doesn't happen in two years. But it can happen in three years, five years. When we stop looking at our families as individuals and start looking at our families as a corporation. And so today, that's what we want to establish. We want to establish new rules, new mantras, and family SOPs, standard operating procedures for each family. Today, on this Thanksgiving, we normalize wealth. Today, on this Thanksgiving, we develop mission statements for our family. Today, on this Thanksgiving, we're going to give thanks for where our family is headed. Welcome to a special edition of Trapping Tuesdays. We'll call this bird talk. <laughs> so let's start off, man, for everybody new, man. Let's start off with the mantra, man. Listen, listen, y'all need, need to know this, man. To all my old travels, for my travels, y'all already know, this is, this is our thing right here. This is kind of like our pledge allegiance to the flag, right? This is our mantra. Let's start this, man. Listen, I am a certified Wall Street trapper. I am confident in my ability to make great investments. The stock market is a machine that prints money, and I am more than capable of operating that machine. Not only will I free myself, but my family will eat for a lifetime based on the information that I apply today. I am a money maker and a wealth builder. Today I break all the chains that anchored me to that poverty mindset. My ancestors will smile now because I have turned our last name into an asset. Let's stop right there. Let's take that part in. My family's purchasing power will increase. Today I make the declaration that no longer will I be a slave to money. No longer will the generations behind me inherit lack. No longer will I submit to selling my time for money. I'm a first-generation millionaire. I'm the architect of my family's legacy. I am a certified Wall Street trapper. And Wall Street looks like us now. Woo! Hey, man, let's clap for that. Yeah. 
right, man, let's clap for that, man. So I'm going to get y'all into the information today, man. I know y'all hungry. I know y'all want to eat. So here's what I'm going to talk about first and foremost, man. Let's talk about the four stages of financial awareness, right? We're going to talk about these stages because, listen, we got to prepare for wealth. Wealth requires time and transformation. I think one of the things that hinders a lot of people is We don't realize that we got time. But also a transformation has to take place. A transformation in how we see money, a transformation in what we do with our money, and a transformation, watch this, watch this, with our philosophy around money. Mm. We have to create a new value for family. Right? More than just us seeing each other for New Year's, Christmas, Thanksgiving, birthdays, and funerals. Let's create a new value for our family. We're going to get into some deep stuff tonight. Not too deep, but also what about objectives and incentives? So I'm going to be real with you. Like, I believe personally that a family comes together to build wealth and those who don't partake in building wealth can't get none of the benefits of it. I was reading a book about the guy from Chick-fil-A, Dan Cathy, and every member of the family can buy into the Chick-fil-A, but every member doesn't get a Chick-fil-A. Right now, the Chick-fil-A family is on their fourth generation. At the age of 18, you can start working at a Chick-fil-A. You can start coming to the meetings, but you got to want to be a part of this. Yes, you have the Kathy name. Yes, you have the Chick-fil-A brand as a part of your life. But you don't get the honor of owning, being on a board of directors. If this ain't what you love. And I believe what we have to do to create wealth and to build wealth is we have to create a system. We have to run the family like a corporation. And if this ain't your first love of building the family wealth, restoring the family's wealth, establishing the family wealth, protecting the family wealth, recreating the family wealth, then you can't be a part of this. And every family plays a pivotal role. First cousins, y'all play a role. Because to be honest, in our culture, first cousins are like brothers and sisters. Listen, I'm an only child. My first cousin, George, is behind the camera. He an only child. We grew up as brothers down there. He's about nine years older than me. I used to antagonize him. He wanted to fight me all the time. We had fun together. So first cousins, we grew up as brothers and sisters. But listen, your family is a part of this. Your wife, your kids, aunties, uncles, everybody has to contribute. So now that means we got to unanchor ourselves from that financial trauma. All right, let's dig a little deeper. Let's dig a little deeper. So let's talk about something before we get into it, man. Let's talk about the four Things that truly kill wealth. 
See, here's what I want her to understand. Before we can teach or obtain wealth, we must first understand our relationship, our awareness about and around money. That truly shapes our financial wellness. Money has been a dog subject in a lot of our families. It is the one thing that we truly never talk about. But how can we truly build wealth if we don't know our own financial personality? If we don't understand the culture of finances in our family? What is our wealth identity? Question. What is your family's tradition when it comes to money? What is the tradition of your family when it comes to money? You sitting together right now. When is the last time y'all talked about building wealth as a family? When is the last time y'all talked about building the business or investing as a family? When is the last time y'all talked about prospering as a family? It's a pandemic, went through a recession. How many husbands and wives have had a financial conversation about, yo, this is where we are financially. Are we in the green or are we in the red? Right quick, here's our expenses. Here's the money coming in. If the money coming in doesn't exceed the expenses, we're in the red. If the money in our bank account doesn't take our network to a positive, we're in the red. And if we are in the red, what are we doing to get out of the red? I'm talking about facing this thing face on. I'm talking about looking at each other financially and not hiding from it. So that's what happens in our family. That's what happens in our culture. We hide from the reality around money. Thinking that if we don't look at it, it's going to get better. If I, don't, if I don't look at the bank account, it's going to change. I spent that money for the weekend. I'm just not going to look at my account. No, let's face the reality. So that this Thanksgiving, I want to give, I want us to have these financial truths with ourselves. I know it's hard. It's easier not to deal with it. It's easier to avoid. But let's talk about these wealth killers. One, lack of wealth awareness. That's simply just saying, where are we financially? Where are we? What is our position? On a scale of one to five, where are you? Five meaning you strong, one meaning you weak, three meaning you like, ah, where are you financially? Two, we're putting too much emphasis on the material things. I bought a new car, but you in the hole. You couldn't really afford that car. I bought a new watch. I got the chain on. Somebody in the house got a whole bunch of designer on. They fresh. They got the drip on. But they overdrafted in their account. But they look good. They look good. They fresh the debt. But they've overdrafted. They're counting the red. That thing say insufficient funds. 
But I'm not saying this as a laughing matter. I'm saying that the health, your financial health has to improve. Our financial IQs have to improve. And the only way that happens is if we take not only full accountability, but what I'm talking about facing that thing head on. This is a serious matter for me, man. Because a lot of families get together for the holidays, and yep, we be happy to see our cousins, and we be happy to see our family, but man, we don't address the issues, man. We talk about building and closing the wealth gap in America. Some people don't even worry about the wealth gap in America, which I'm the person, I don't care about the wealth gap because I'm going to be real with you, yo. The wealth gap will not close, shrinking, if we don't first deal with ourselves and our family. We got to deal with the intimacy situation first. How do I improve? How do my family improve before I can improve my neighbor? Somebody, somebody got to take the initiative. And I can almost guarantee you that everybody in the family right now want to be better financially. What is the residue of poverty? We are naive about the value of money. Golly. We talking about just not even understanding that Yeah, money is a tool, not a goal. Some people say, trap, I won't be a millionaire. And that's cool to get a million dollars. I want to help you make that million dollars. But what does it help? What does it do you or your family if I help you make a million dollars and now it costs you a million dollars to live? You're talking about becoming a... Slave. You're a rich slave. Y'all know my saying. If you allow them to feed you, you give them permission to starve you. This is the reason why the NFL and the NBA, they don't mind in entertainment business. They don't mind giving us multi-million dollar contracts. You know why? Because they know we don't know what to do with the money, but they'll do what? I may give you a $23 million contract, but you're going to go right to my partner over there and spend it with him. So our other communities are circulating our money in their community. We ain't circulating our own money nowhere. It go out faster than they come in. And I'm going to tell you why it go out faster than they come in. And I'm going to give you an example of how it go out faster than they come in. How many times have we gotten overtime and when we get the overtime, we spend the money in our head on a check before we get on a check. Oh, that's 10 hours overtime? Yes, Indeed. I'm about to go do this, 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 and this with that, that 10 hours. That 10 hours equals $250 after taxes. You know what I can do with that $250? No value of money. And the one thing that is serious is we have a hard time taking full financial responsibility. Just taking financial responsibility. Saying, you know what? I spent that money wrong. This is what I need to do better next time. It's about having the hardest conversations, y'all. And I know y'all thought I was going to get up here. Uh-uh, uh-uh. No, this is serious. Financial literacy is the meat and potatoes 
of your wealth. It is the sustenance that gives you fulfillment. You know that after you eat a good meal, you'd be like, damn, that was good. It's the core curriculum missing from your assignment. That's what financial literacy is. And so today we're going to go through that. We're going to have that conversation. What are the consequences of you not building wealth? Who benefits from you building wealth? Who life improves from you being the one to build wealth? And on the same token, who does it also affect if you doesn't build, if you don't start building wealth? Who do you help? Life going to go up and down. Life going to go through life. Life going life. But I can promise you, you can life with a little bit more confidence if you know that you're financially stable. Now, I want to do something. I want to show y'all like these four levels. Right? The first level is financial dysfunction. I'm not going to lie. That's where a lot of people just thrive at. Just financial dysfunction. Just the money come, the money go. You don't understand where your account at. You don't understand where your bank account at. You don't have an idea of your network. You got more money in your bed, I mean, under your bed and in your closet. You got your bank account or your investment account. You got a bunch of credit cards. They all overdraft. You maxing them out. You living paycheck to paycheck. We talking financial dysfunction. You talking about impulsive spending. You talking about everything just indulging. I want to say this, man. You cannot be in survival mode and thrive mode at the same time. You must divorce your addiction to surviving. You got to divorce your addiction to surviving. You know the one that say, no matter what, that when there's a will, there's a way, I'm going to get through it. Survival mode. I'm going to do whatever it takes. Survival mode. I ain't going to ask nobody for nothing. I'm going to get it on my own. Survival mode. Financial trauma. There's an addiction there. You got to divorce that. And you got to marry that orgasmic Feeling to thriving, man. I'm talking about like when you get up in the morning and you know my investments working for me. When you get that check, you know I'm about to make this investment. We about to build this business. We got this trust. We got this. We talking about we talking about that feeling. Ain't nothing like it. The feeling of initiating woe is intoxicating. The feeling of getting them dividends is intoxicating. It's euphoric. 
there's a lot of pain and hardship that come with survival mode. Always being on alert. Knowing you got to go to work every single day. You, you got more, you selling more of your time than you are buying it back. There's a different type of confidence that you walk through the world with knowing that you are financially sufficient. Knowing that you are taking the proper steps to build the wealth, to establish your certainty. Having that financial fortitude. Let's clap for that. I love when I say that. Right? Because here's the thing, man. Poverty has a... Poverty. Poverty has a price. Freedom has a price. Poverty is the ultimate taxation. Say that again. They both have a price. Poverty has a price. Freedom has a price. Poverty is the ultimate taxation. Because when you're in poverty or when you are financially dysfunctional, everything costs more. You can't get... If you can't get the car fixed because you don't have the money, it costs more. It costs more in time. It costs more stress. It costs more heartache. If you can't get the rent paid or the bill paid, it's stressful in the house. It costs more. It's the ultimate taxation. When you're financially dysfunctional, every time something comes up about money, it adds stress. Life gets dense. There's conflict. You be mad at stuff you don't even be mad at. Who got the air on in my house? Turn that heat down. Close the door. Why you got my refrigerator open? Everything is an issue. I ain't coming get you over there. You know a great prophet once said this, man. When you broke, you drove, huh? When you paid, you got buku places to go, huh? Many of our families are stagnant financially, yo. So let's move up a little bit. We get from the financial dysfunction, and then we go to financial stability. Got our feet on the ground. Feel a little good. You know, that's the, good, that's the people with the good job. You know, you got the job. The job paying you some nice money. You got money in your account. Right? You got money in an account, paying for the kids' school. You don't got all the things you want, but you way further than where you came. We talking about just being stable. A lot of us get stagnant right there. I remember coming up in New Orleans, man, like in the early 90s, if you moved to New Orleans East, man, you was financially stable. If you had the flow model TV, you was financially stable. If you had the water bed, you, hey, we good. Today, that water bed, the flow model TV. <laughs> you heard me? In that East, you heard me? Y'all know Tootie in the back, Tootie out the East, you heard me? 
There's a neighborhood in every community. If your family moved over there, y'all say certain stuff like, well, y'all think y'all are better than us. You might have got the brand new car, but it's better than... Most of our families get stuck in that financial. We get stagnant in that financial place right there. We better than what we were. We probably ain't going too much further. And we sell that. We get anchored there. We've been in the same position for years. I want you to understand that it's not your fault at this point because even though you have access to the information now, the hard part is deciphering where to start. The hard part is maneuvering through the minutia of information. Woo, y'all heard that word, minutia. <laughs> and then let's go, to the, let's go to the next level. Financial independence. Financial independence takes us a little bit further than stability. We're stable, but at this point, with independence, we understand life and money on a different level. We've elevated. See, in the market, there's these two things. There's support and then there's resistance. When you get to the financial independence, you've broken the resistance. Financial independence means, yeah, you might have a job, but you got them investments going. Because here's the thing. There's people with jobs that actually are in a financial state where they can walk away from their job. They just like what they're doing. I'm cool with that. I'm not the person to tell you that you got to be an entrepreneur to build wealth. Your job should be your first investor. But that goes back to understanding the part we talked about of being what? Financially conscious. Financially aware. I hope this is making sense to y'all, man. Look around at your family, man. What new traditions are we going to put in place? We can sit at the TV all day and watch all of these people. We can go watch these people play football, but guess what? They went from high from mini football to high school to college to pros. They live in their dream. I know your Uncle Sam, man, put the game on right now, man. I don't want to hear this. Them people living their dream. You want to watch the Thanksgiving Bowl. You watch that every year for how many years? Them people living their dream. You don't watch Emmitt Smith. You don't watch Barry Sanders. You don't watch everybody. You don't watch Troy Aikman. You don't watch Jerry Rice. You don't watch Steve Young. Them people don't retire now. They living their dream. What you going to do? You can change the channel. I'm not tripping. But I can promise you every day I'm building mine. I want to help you build yours. I want to help you. I want to give instruction. I want to be the pioneer. I want to be the person. Yo, for all the people that don't know who knew, yo, I was homeless. I slept on my great auntie couch a few years ago. Sixteen, I'm fifteen, sixteen. I'm sleeping out of bando. I want you to understand. You ain't, 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 I ain't, I ain't never even seen a silver spoon. The one they were talking about. I don't know what it looked like, but I'm here, and I ain't where I want to be at. 
but every day I'm building the blocks of where I'm destined to be at. We both can have the same 24 hours and live in the same world, but look at it completely different. I understand that the world is full of endless possibilities. Some people understand they live in a world full of obstacles and adversities. Some people let the obstacles and adversity keep them or make them submit to a place that they don't want to be at. I look at the obstacles and the adversity as a gateway to get me where I got to go at. I look at the obstacles and the adversity as a path to progress. And I won't take as many people along the journey with me. That's what these shows about. That's what Trapping Tools is about. That's what this is about. I want to cultivate an idea of greatness. I want to cultivate. I want to cause conflict between what you believe and what you know you can go at. I want to cause conflict in that. I want you to fight between the beliefs of where you can go at and what you see right now. I want your reality to have conflict with your current situation. I want the consequences of you believing in yourself. I want the consequences of you building wealth to be a lifetime of freedom. Freedom is an acquired taste. And that's what the financial independence does. It's for those people that, that have been working, that have been establishing themselves. Those people who work and have or entrepreneurship and you, you, you bought a piece of real estate or you started investing in some stocks or you started a business that you are now creating income or you're financially strong outside of the job. Because a lot of entrepreneurs trade in for one job to become a slave to their business. You still have financial stability. We got to at least graduate to that financial independence. Question, what is the residue that's left from poverty? That financial philosophy has to change. How do we cultivate new ideas, new strategies, new belief systems? So when I say Wall Street looks like us now, it ain't just talking about the stock market. It's talking about understanding that we can build wealth, understand that wealth is our birthright, understanding that we are possible, that we can attain that abundance and overflow of money because they print it every goddamn day. The same business we talk about investing on the stock market, guess what they're doing today? The business is still open. They're still printing money. And then this last one, man, financial freedom. That financial freedom is a whole different level. This is when money is no longer like a thing. Blissful. You're talking about every day just getting up, living a life you want, not even worrying about money because the investments that you put in place are sustaining your lifestyle. We talking about getting up every day saying, you know what, what do I want to do today? We talking about getting up every day saying, yo, like these 24 hours, I own the whole 24. I can do what I want. I punch my own time clock. We must go through these phases. And I'm telling you, we know it's possible. The goal now 
is to achieve it. And so now I want to talk about in creating wealth and in building wealth, here's some of the things that we got to do. So while we're together as a family, like I want us to, like think about creating a mission statement. What is the family's wealth mission statement? You know, like, so when you think about from the trap to Wall Street, or Wall Street looks like us now, like our mission statement is helping the culture build wealth one share at a time. What that is, that establishes values for me. That, is, that establishes a president for my company and my business. Big Trap Media. We want to produce movies. We want to produce uh, 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 series that represent wealth from my perspective. Big Trap Media. Wall Street looks like now us now network is the network that the media company produces for. If you do not plan to be successful, if you do not plan to be wealthy, how can you truly achieve it? It can't exist. So the mission statement provides direction and education. The mission statement now empowers the heirs that come behind because now they know what the follow-through process looks like. See, what happens is we have kids and our kids have no direction. And so who leads them? YouTube tells them what to do. Social media tells them what to do. The family hasn't come together as a collective and said, yo, here's the identity, here's the mission statement, here's the values, here's what our family highlights, and this is how we operate. When you go to a company, they tell you, this is the mission statement. Here's the family SOPs. Here's your job position. Here's what's expected of you. Here's what you plan to leave. Here's so now when you go to work, it ain't no, I don't know what to do. You know the values of the company. So if the company fires you for not being in line with the company's values, you know why. They have a standard in which you operate from. God, hey, boy, you better eat that turkey. You better eat that turkey right now. I want you to understand that. So inside of that, let's create a board of directors. Listen, let's create, let's create a family CEO. Right? Somebody who just has sound financial judgment. Let's create a family secretary. Let's create a family treasury. The secretary, you keep notes. Y'all come together as a whole. What are we investing in? Let's put voting rights on what we invest in. There. The treasurer, let's open up an account. Somebody, let's open up the account, the investment account. Let's everybody deposit some money in an account for the first two years. Nobody can't take no money from the account. This money is going to invest in stocks. This money is going to buy us a plot of land. This money is going to buy us a real estate. This money is going to open us a business. Let's establish these things. No, it won't happen in one year. No, it won't happen in two years. But it, when we think in family, family is thought about from a long term perspective. How do we look in five years? How do we look in 10 years? How do we look in 20 years? Because here's the thing. When you die, someone else is born. It's so crazy. My great auntie passed 
her granddaughter pregnant. Look at that circle of life. That's how it goes. So when you're establishing these rules and foundations, it's not just for you. Remember, inside the mantra, my ancestors will smile because I turned my family's last name into an asset. It's heavy. And now we empower the heirs because now they know what they're stepping into. We've now set a standard. We've now set the tone. We've now set an establishment that they walk into. Again, when you born in the Dan Cathy family, you already know at some point you stepping into a Chick-fil-A. Now it's on you on where do you belong on the family tree. How do we establish that? So now I want to just talk about something because I, you know, the stock market is the catalyst for me. And so one of the, one of the things you will always hear about is the S&P 500. And so I just wanted to, I want to talk some stock talk tonight. So let's look at the S&P 500, right? So the S&P 500 uh, is, consists of the uh, 500 biggest companies in the, you know, on the market, in the United States preferably. And it's broken down to 11 sectors. Got technology, discretionary, communications, staples, real estate, utility, healthcare, energy, materials, finance, and industrials. Now, inside of these 11 sectors, we have industries, right? So it's kind of saying like, let's say inside of the financial sector, you have banking, you have wealth management, you have insurance companies, you have payment processing. All of these fall inside of the financial sector. So each sector has different industries. You feel me? Now you can also buy an ETF which you can, which now gives you access to maybe 30, 40 companies in each sector. This is a great way for people who don't know what specific companies to buy, but they can buy an ETF. There's at least 11 ETF, one ETF for each sector that we can buy. So let's say you like energy. So you like the shells and you might work in a power plant. So you understand Exxon. So if you're in the Gulf, if you're in the South, and you work at a plant. You know one thing in the South, getting a plant job is the thing to do. I got a plant job. If you got a plant job out the gate in the South, you already move up from poverty to that financial. <laughs> Gee, all right? <laughs> all right, cuz? Like, you get somebody at the plant job, you in the South, you think you hit a lick. A female like, I, I got one. He working at a plant. Girl, he working at a plant. You already thinking like this. He working a what? He working a plant. <laughs> and you, 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 I worked in the plant before. I, yeah, I worked in the plant, dog. You hear me? I was hustling. Once I stopped hustling, like once I really got out the street, I was working a plant. I ain't feel like I fell off. I was like, y'all working the plant. I ain't really fall off. Started building stadiums and power plants. I was like, I ain't bad. I'm good. Shout out to all my iron workers. I see you. 
All my baller makers, all my welders, I see you. All my crane operators, I see you. Pull them goddamn levers, man. <laughs> That's an inside joke. If you're uh, you know, in a plant, you tell a crane operator, don't tell me how to run this up here, man. Pull them goddamn levers, man. <laughs> Gee, what that mean? Pull them goddamn levers. You know what the crane operator do? Uh, uh, hit the goddamn horn. Don't tell me what to pull. <laughs> swing it left, swing, swing, left swing, left swing, left swing, thumb down, left swing, left swing, but that's right swing, left swing, left swing, <laughs> boom it up, hold it low, come on man, boom it down, hold it low, come on man, stop playing man, I, I, I still know what I'm doing man, hold it there, hold it there, hold it there, I say hold, god damn it, hold, don't <laughs> all right, let me chill, let me chill, let me chill, all right, but this is the S&P 500 man, and so, um, a lot of companies, a lot of people, um, now here's the dope part about it. Companies that's in the Dow or that's on the NASDAQ, which is the other, can also be on the S&P 500. This the big boy. You got to be here to be anywhere else. So this is a great way to start, man. You can buy the whole S&P 500 by owning the VOO, you know, the SPY, SPX. You know, you can own this. You can own the whole 500. So that's a good place to start. I use it as a savings account for me, right? Because when I own an S&P 500, essentially I'm betting on the best 500 companies in America, in America to grow my money for me. So instead of me sitting my money inside of a savings account, right, I put it inside this. Now you saying like, trap, the market is down 20-some percent right now. So your money down 20%. It's okay. You know why? Because the market goes up more than it goes down. I may have a down year, so we got to zoom out. One down year don't mean it's bad, because here's what I learned. If you set your money in a bank, whether the market up or down, you're going to make 0.07 percent. So I was losing money in there anyway. So I may as well put my money as a savings account here. They're going to pay dividends. I'm going to reinvest the dividends. The dividends are going to buy me more shares of the SPY, I mean the VOO. It's going to keep stacking up. They're going to pay me dividends regardless. I'm going to keep reinvesting the dividends from the ETF. And guess what? It's going to grow over the long term for me. And I'm okay with that. That's my savings account. I was you going to use that anyway. Financial fortitude. I want you to understand something. Orthodox financial information keeps you a slave to the system. Until you start thinking outside the box, until you start playing a game how they playing a game, if you allow them to feed you, get them permission to start. Let's go, man. Hey, we here. We here, man. So now I want to talk about like these four, these four strategies we can use when it comes to investing in the stock market. One of them is index investing. So that's what we just talked about, the SPY, the VOO. You know what I'm saying? We talked about that. Right, just investing in indexes. Right, the next one is growth strategies. So growth investing is when we investing in companies with you know high growth possibilities. We're talking about the Chipotle's, a lot of growth, more growth than McDonald's, more growth than Wendy's. Right, we're talking about the AMDs in the chip sector. We talked about Lululemon. Right, more growth than Adidas, more growth than Nike, more growth than Reebok. Right? A lot of growth that we're talking about Tesla. More growth than Ford. More growth than uh, GMC. 
right? We're talking about growth investing. So our money going to grow faster than it would in these companies than they would in your typical stable companies because they got more growth on the top line, more revenue, more income, more revenue, more profit. Market likes those type of things. Then we talk about just value investing, the old Warren Buffett way. Stable companies, Coca-Cola, Visa, American Express, Bank of America, Apple is now a value stock. Right? We just talk about investing in stable companies that have consistent growth. Buying them at value prices. And then we talk about dividend investing. We talk about buying companies that are paying dividends consistently, but strong. Right? We're talking about the Costco's, the waste management, the old realties, the 3M, the Simon Properties, the Verizons, companies that pay strong dividends that we can use those dividends to reinvest. And as we reinvest those dividends, what those dividends do now is buy us more of the company. But since we're talking about dividends, let's graduate into talking about just three types of dividend stocks, right? So there's your, your low yield. So the low yielding dividend stocks is somewhere that's paying 1% or below 1%. What does that mean? That means that dividend equals 0.99% of the stock price, right? They got us a small dividend. Now, check this out. If a company is $500 and they're paying us a 0.99% or maybe a 1%, then we're getting 1% of that stock price. So the yield is the representative of that percentage of the stock price they're paying out to us. Right? Right? So then there's the medium yield. So I kind of like to be in this area, that 2.5. Not really the one, but that if I could get that 2.5 and up, so you're talking about the Star Rock, the Starbucks, the Black Rocks, the Home Depots, right? The Caterpillar, strong, you know, solid dividend-paying companies. And so, so a lot of times, if you want to look for that extremely high yield, like higher than like four, five, six percent, you get into those REITs, those real estate investment trusts, right? These are the companies that, so you think about data centers, right? So if you think about all of the data that Facebook and Netflix and Disney and Microsoft and Google, they have to store that data in the facility. Those data centers are REITs. Uh, if you think about um, Amazon, those warehouses that they have, that's a REIT because Amazon don't want to build a warehouse. They go to a company like Stag and say, yo, I need a warehouse. They build their warehouse for them. If you think about like Exxon or Chevron, they don't build gas stations. They have the, the, the material. Well, that gas station is a REIT because they rent from those people, right? Home Depots, like they rent, right? They're not building a Home Depot, so those people pay rent. It's called triple net lease. That's another way we can get into real estate. That was another one of the, one of the um, sectors we can invest in. So those typically can have like high yields. But since we own dividends, because I know that dividends really like entice people when it comes to investing, right? I want to show you like this dividend calendar. And so this is a way you can get paid every month of the year dividends, right? So, you know, think about this. Investing in me, Visa and Lowe's, that can give you a dividend for January. Um, 
Apple and Starbucks to give you a dividend for February. Home Depot, McDonald's, March, right? Merck and Walmart, April, Verizon and Clorox, May. Right now, don't get me wrong, these companies pay four times a year. But if you stag them, you stagnate them, right? Now you can be getting dividends every month. So if you've built your account the right way, again, remember we talked about being a dividend investor. If you're a dividend investor, one of the things you can do is what? You can schedule, well, yo, I'm getting dividends every month from the companies that I'm invested in. Now, here's the dope part about it. There are some companies like the Stags and the old realties that pay us dividends every month anyway. See, I want us to go to that financial freedom, that financial independence, that financial freedom. To get there, we got to start thinking like wealthy people. Warren Buffett gets about $700 million a year in dividends from Apple. We got to just start thinking like the wealthy. But here's what we're going to say. Man, I need a whole bunch of money to do that. Okay, cool. Remember, we thinking about from the family operation. We're we not thinking about just one year. We're talking about how do I look right now? What does this look like in 10 years? What does this look like in 15 years? Right? Like, let's zoom out, y'all. The world done made us think so much about the right now. We making decisions right now. YOLO, I won't get it right now. I need this right now. I need to do this right now. No, you got time. If you don't plan for tomorrow, today, when tomorrow come, you know better off you was today. That's why you see people when they retire, they say, man, I wish I'd have learned this when I was 20 or 30. Because they ain't taking into account what they was going to need when they were 65. And a lot of us doing the same thing right now. We're not taking into account what we're going to need when we're 40. We're not taking into account what you're going to need when you're 50. You're not taking into account how you want your finance to be set up for you. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's no such thing as job security. So there's no such thing as job security. The only person or only being that's going to give you financial security is you. One of the scariest things in the world is to say, I'm responsible for where I'm going to be financially. One of the most important decisions you ever make in your life is how much of your money you're going to get to work for you. How much of your paycheck you're going to get to work for you. If you're an entrepreneur, how much of your money you're going to take out of the business and get it to work for you specifically. If you got a job, how much of your money you're going to dedicate to your wealth building fund instead of paying the bills. At what point do you put yourself first financially? A better financially version of you is better for everybody. Watch this. There's, there's solace. I got spicy, G. I got spicy with that one, G. G, I got... <laughs> There's solace in being financially stable. You know why most people in the hood stressed? Because their money ain't right. My grandmother died of lung cancer. She smoked almost half a pack of Paul Malls and a red pack every day. Paul Malls and a red pack. 
This around a time when children could go buy cigarettes for their people. I used to go to the store every day, buy a carton of cigarettes without a problem. But guess what? One of her biggest stress was money. People catch aneurysms, high blood pressure, diabetes. Most marriages in. 87% of marriages in because of money. Money. Most men feel ill-equipped because money. Man, I got to get myself right. You can't really find love. You can't really be in love with a woman because you feel inadequate financially. I'm not mad at you, but what steps are you taking to become that? I'm not the person to tell you that money is not everything. That ain't me. But I am the person to tell you that, go get you some money. You have a better quality of life. A lot of things that will worry you won't worry you if you get some money. Watch this. You can peel back the other issues you have when money is no longer a problem. You can't deal with the other underlying issues you got in your life because money is the main problem. And because you keep thinking not addressing the issue of money is going to fix the problem, the problem get worse. The financial trauma keeps building and building and building and building until you see a person 35 years old die of a heart attack. Until somebody, and I'm not saying money fixes everything, no way, shape, form, or fashion am I saying that. But what I am saying is, coming from where we come from, we done already learned how to deal with so much of the other stuff that the world done threw at us to where we can pull back the money situation and deal with the other issues. We can't fix the relationship with our mom and daddy because we got money issues. We can't fix the relationship with our children because we got money issues. We can't love ourselves right because we got money issues. We can't get ourselves healthy because we got money issues. Right now, I paid Blue Cross Blue Shield about $400 a month for good health care. About $457. Black men don't go to the doctor. Why? They cost. I'm all right. I'm good. I'm straight. I'm just being real. Our children can't get adequate education. Why? Because they put a price on it. Getting them that tool after school, it costs. It costs. But yet, Christmas about to come around. 
How many people about to buy a whole bunch of stuff that they don't need with money they don't have and they about to go in a hole and they about to anchor themselves for more financial trauma because now you bought all that because you want your kid to have a good Christmas and now after Christmas you panicking on why you can get overtime, where you can get overtime from, who hiring, how many different jobs you got to work to pay off. This what you bought for Christmas because already the interest on the other debt you owe is piling up. We talking about financial trauma. And now's the time to talk about it. You can't put good clothes on a pig and call it beautiful. You got to address the elephant in the room. You can't have a spouse and get married or be in a healthy relationship if y'all don't know where each other at financially. I'm not saying you can't be with somebody who is in debt, but at least out the gate, I need to know you in debt so we can come together. If I'm rocking with you, how do we, how do we take care of that together? How do I help you? How do you help me? How do we help each other? You trying to marry somebody with a 400 credit score. That's going to piss you off five years down the line when you find it out you ain't know. Damn, babe, why you ain't tell me that? Now you pissed off at her. Or he pissed off at you. Or you pissed off at him. You telling your people, girl, I wish y'all knew he had a 400 credit score. Well, you ain't ask him. And he ain't about to tell you, well, babe, I got a 400. He feel inadequate. Let's talk about it. Finances is taboo. What's your adult report card? Uh-oh. What that is, a trap? What the credit score look like? Okay, how do we have kids and then start saying, yo, check this out. My daughter, right, how do I, boom, open her up a custodial account in every family? Everybody should have custodial accounts for children. So instead of going buy them a whole bunch of stuff for Christmas, first let's everybody contribute to every child's custodial account before we buy a toy. Mmm, light bulb. Light bulb. When a child gets a certain age, how do we not just add them to the credit card as an authorized user? Put them ahead of the game. How do we show them how to leverage debt? One of the greatest, you could, one of the greatest things you could do in America is learn how to leverage other people's money. So many people, Donald Trump said it, first and foremost, he told him, Dan Chappelle said it. Yo, I know the game rigged. Well, how you know that this game rigged? It is rigged. I've been using it my whole life. Donald Trump is a product of a rigged system. The thing is, so are we. But through what lens of the rigged system have we come from? Have we prospered from the system being rigged? Or have we, have we suffered? Most of us have suffered from a rigged system. Most of them has prospered from a rigged system. How do we renegotiate the contract? How do we use the rigged system to our advantage? And I always say it, Samuel L. Jackson said it. Even a rigged game is fun to play. 
That's good, man. So another thing I want to talk about right now is called duopolies, right? So duopolies are, think about it like this, man, when two, two companies, like, dominate a specific sector. So, like, think about Coke and Pepsi, uh, Home Depot and Lowe's, uh, uh, Square and PayPal, right? AMD and NVIDIA. So you have two companies that just dominate, dominate a specific sector, one of the things you can do is either pick one, the majority, or just own both of them. Right? And duopolies are cool. Right? Walmart, Costco. They dominate a specific area, a sector in the market. You know a lot of them. Right? A duopoly. Right? And I want to just talk about growth. Right, so one of the things I want to talk about, I want us to look at something. I want to, I want to build this out for us. As we learn and as we get into building wealth, I want us to look at something. I, 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 I orchestrated this, this visual. And it's just my perspective on how the game is played. So stocks and businesses grow the wealth of the family. Watch this, y'all. Stocks and businesses grow the wealth of the family. Real estate and agriculture create cash flow and taxes. They create cash flow and tax benefits. The one thing I love, see, that's pros, there's, there's, there's. So the thing about it is, think about it like this. Stocks and businesses represent the ultimate liquidity for any, business, for any family. It increases the network tremendously. Martin, Mark Zuckerberg just lost $800, billion, $800 million in network. How? How? $800 billion in network. Oh, I'm sorry. Facebook itself lost $800 billion. It wasn't because they lost it in cash, it's because the stock went down. Mark Zuckerberg lost 65% of his wealth because the Facebook stock went down. But guess what? It ain't, his money ain't gone. He probably only had a couple million, you know, 40, 50, 60, you know, 100 million, 80 million, something like that. He was worth maybe 100 or something million. Well, a billion, I'm sorry. I think Mark was worth maybe 60 billion, 80 billion. I think right now he worth maybe like 400 million, 500 million. All Facebook stock got to do is go back up. Guess what he's going to be worth? 500. Stocks and business represent ultimate liquidity for wealth. Real estate, don't get me wrong. I'm not a either or. I'm an and type of person. Real estate and stocks. Real estate and Stocks and I don't, I'm not about to get into, I'm not the person to debate either or. Everybody will have a different preference. But real estate offers the ultimate cash flow, tax shelter, and leverage. It's just learning how to play the game. Agriculture as well, because agriculture now, remember, I bought 40 acres of land. Once you put a cow on the land or a bull on the land, you get a whole different type of incentives from America. <laughs> it's just learning how to think wealthy. 
But watch this. Insurance. Life insurance. We talking about whole or term, the IULs, the trusts. They represent longevity. They represent family banks. They represent protection. And that's what we need to build wealth. So me personally, I think these are components that every family should work toward. Having stocks, having a business, having real estate, agriculture, insurance, whole life, get with your insurance agent, the IUL, the Index Universal Life, and trust. These things provide us just, just protection. That's how the Rockefellers built their, built their establishment year after year after year, protecting themselves, tax shelters, leveraging to pay taxes, using, using the family, putting money in the IUL, using the IUL to go buy certain assets without having to go to the bank, borrowing from the family, paying the family back, protecting it inside of a different type of trust. This is what we got to learn. Stop going to H&R Block. Stop going to TurboTax. Get your CPA. Get your accountant. Get a family accountant. Got to learn how to play the game. And I think that's what this is all about, man. And then I want to get into one last thing. This wealth pyramid. This is so pivotal and this is so vital because once we understand this and once we see this, this truly changes the game and gives us perspective. As the first generation, your goal is to establish the wealth. That's your goal, to establish it. Help build out that blueprint. The generation you go into, you got to lead them SOPs because their goal and their mission is to grow it. But they can grow it based on the SOPs, the standard operating procedures that you put in place. Those procedures allow them to make less mistakes or avoid some of the stakes, mistakes that you've made. You establish that. You write them down so they can see it. The third generation is now responsible for protecting it. But here's the thing. The goal is to leave and nurture the generation before you go. Establish it, grow it, protect it. The fourth generation is responsible for recreating it. Now you think a trap. Ain't no way in the world. That sound good. Well, we talking about longevity. My goal is to talk about how do I create legacy within the Howard family? How do you create legacy in the Thompson family? How do you create legacy in the Smith family? How do you create legacy in the Brown family? How do you create legacy and the Johnson, how do you create legacy? It ain't just with one generation. Mm -hmm. 
first generation established, you the person that's going to go, your, your generation is going to go through all the trial and the error, the finding out, the loopholes, the burning, damn, I lost money here. But now it's me. I'm the first generation. Guess what I'm doing now? I'm schooling my daughter. Yo, I'm teaching her now. You, sh- you know, financial ABCs and teaching her about certain things. Establish it a little bit more. But guess what? Once I establish the rules in her and let her see it, guess what? She got a blueprint. And so now when she have kids, if God bless me to still be here, now me and her can collaborate in teaching her child, her husband and her child. And if I'm gone, my daughter can now take what I've taught her, establish it. Because here's the thing about information, it evolves. And then guess what? Now she can teach her child what I've taught her and what she've got, and now she can teach her child how to grow it and protect it. And then my daughter's children, they learn how to follow the the growth that protects so they can recreate. And it's how people like the J.P. Morgan Chases and the Rockefellers, the Mars families. Remember Dan Cathy, the Chick-fil-A, they were on the fourth generation of Chick-fil-A people buying in, 18 years old. We talk about long, everlasting wealth. Keep it real, we talk about the Kardashians. We watch Kim them go through it. Now they're having kids. Kim them is the first generation. They established it. They established it. Mama was there to manage it, but Kim them established it. Now they got kids. They about to grow it. The crazy part is the young one, Kylie and the other one, whatever her name is, they so young, they ain't too much older than the grand. Do you know they little nieces and nephews? So they already about to show them how to kill social media. They about to show them how to create beauty products. They about to, they, we watch these people become household names. We watch them establish wealth now. They don't already give birth to billionaires in front of our face. From a sex tape to keeping up with the Kardashians, and now I'm in Times Square and the Kardashians own a whole corner. Advertising. No matter if you like it or not. No matter if you like it or not. They done gave birth to a billionaire, and watch this, watch this. The money got younger and younger. Daddy was the lawyer. All right, boom, he, you know, passed away. Kim came on. Mom's nurtured that. Baby sister, billionaire. Kim skims, billion-dollar company about to be get an evaluation on that. Everybody don't got to be billionaires, but look, the money start learning how to maneuver. And guess what? Babies, babies, guess what they're going to already learn how to do? Operate the business. Whether you like it or not, job well done, man. Huh? Whether you like it or not. So now they're on, they they on the second generation now. Guess what? That second generation got such a head start. What happens when your generation doesn't have to start behind the eight ball? We fight so much just to break even. We be woe out by the time it's time to progress. 
We'd be, whoa, whoa. Just to break even, just to get out of debt, just to break even, that fight wear us out. Remember, you got to divorce the survival mindset and marry the thriving mindset. And I just want us to say this before we go, man, before we, before we leave tonight. Building world is a game. You must learn how to put the pieces on the board. You must learn how to earn money, save money, spend money, invest money, borrow money, lend money, protect money, and then recreate the money. It cannot grow if you miss a step. We must divorce the old traditions. We must establish new ones. And we must commit to being better. The road ain't easy. It doesn't happen overnight, but it's worth it. Again, what is the residue of poverty. Shabbat the Wall Street Trapper, right now we got the Black Friday sale on the Wall Street Trapping course. It is 70% off. The link right now is in the description. The sale ends 12.01 tomorrow. Black Friday. Take advantage of it. It's the blueprint to wealth. I want to see you thrive in the stock market. I want to see you thrive when it comes to building wealth. I want you to turn your last name into an asset. Take advantage of this sale. Take advantage of it right now. Take advantage of the opportunity. Now is the time to turn your last name into an asset, and now is the time to triple your network. You can't be wealthy if you don't start thinking and planning a game of what a wealthy dude. It's your boy, the Wall Street Trapper. Happy Thanksgiving. Salute.